Hi, my name is Ida. And my name is Deja. And welcome to Sad Girl Sunday. Welcome to episode three of Sad Girl Sunday. This week, we're going to uh, talk about healthy boundaries. But before we get into the episode, we just wanted to serve a short announcement to um, mourn for the families of the victims of the Atlanta shooting and the Asian community as a whole who are dealing with a resurgence in racist aggression. We mourn for those who have to suffer the indignation of hearing a police chief chalk all of this up to a quote-unquote killer's bad day. We stand with them in solidarity. Because their struggle is our struggle. So thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, We are happy to have y'all back for another Sunday with the Sad Girls. Just a quick check-in. How you doing, Deja? I am good. I can't (laughs) complain. It's been... Well, this week was nice. I had to take or I took two days off because I got my second dose of the COVID vaccine. And I was nice. like, I was going to feel all of the side effects. Aww. So I would take two days off of work just to be safe. And I felt honestly fine. Like, okay, obviously. Because you weren't at work or you weren't like doing. Or maybe, yeah. You know, but I had no real <laughs> side effects, like just a little bit of brain fog. But I don't know if that's just because like. I'm burnt out or because of the vaccine. So not a bad week. What what about you? How was your week? How was your night? How was your how's your life? How's your life? Um going down the drain. No, it's fine. I'm I'm a drama queen. But um I think this week's episode is very relevant to my life and some of the events that took place. Um, I'm still learning how to kind of deal with being at home. There's a lot of, um, I don't know, like, I think there's a lot of expectations my family members have of me that uh, don't consider my personal boundaries. You know, my father, he came to visit unannounced and it was, you know, great to see him, but also... I just wasn't really prepared to kind of like host and kind of like talk to him. And he also came over really late, even though his heart is in the right place. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, let's how about plan a week ahead of time for us to kind of hang out together. So that way I'm emotionally prepared to sit and talk with you about the weird random things that you find interesting. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be at midnight. (laughs) But no, um, I respect that. Yeah. So he was just like hanging out this morning. It was weird. It was like, and then even like I had randomly <laughs> an old friend from high school who you who used to be an old neighbor also mm-hmm. come unannounced, and for three hours emotionally just dumped all of his trauma from his breakup. And I was like, mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in like years, and so you feel this comfortable talking to me about your problems for three hours I'm just like you're probably really going through it so I'm gonna be polite and just allow you to kind of do whatever you need to do to get this off your chest but yeah this is a huge red flag (laughs) and I'm like the next time I see this person uh and if they try to like 
talk about this bullshit, I'm going to just either start staring at my phone screen or change the subject because I'm just like, I appreciate you trying to like catch up with old friends and stuff, but boundaries. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, that's perfect for this week's episode because, you know, as much as you were friends with this individual in the past, it's like a lot of people will dump or kind of like pour this stuff onto you and expect you to be in the mental headspace to just be able to handle it. Like rarely do people ask, hey, do you have like the head and heart space to have a deep conversation where I can vent an X, Y, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes people are really trying to have a deep conversation and you're like, look, my cup is empty. Like I can't help you. (laughs) Yeah. And it's some, yeah, also, yeah, people don't have the tools to kind of even be able to kind of like, kind of put words to, I don't know, the etiquette that's required when you're communicating with people. I struggle with that. I stumble with my words all the time, but I'm just like, get a fucking clue. All right. (laughs) It is not time for your ass to be at my house. I mean, ugh, imagine if that person like listens to our podcast one day and hears me just like talking shit. Like I, I love them. They're like basically family. Like they they grew up coming over for Christmas and stuff when we we're younger, like and we've seen each other go through so much in our childhood and, and stuff, but it's also kind of like you gotta kind of learn how to read the room, you know. But what was so nice, so today, I mean, outside of, like, that all happened, like, yesterday, like, literally, like, all last night, and then this morning, uh, I got to spend a little bit of time with my dad, and then he actually dropped me off at Tyler Julius's house, and I got to see her for a bit today, and see her parents, and we went through, like, old pictures of all of us when we were in college, and she was recording actually you and sam when sam like pretended no. to propose to you because what? <laughs> remember when you told me how like when you guys went on that vegas trip oh. <laughs> and how everyone just oh, assumed yeah. how we're a couple yeah they're like wow like when did, oh, congratulations for just yeah. graduating when are you guys getting married and we were like what yeah. like, you guys are engaged right I was like we're just two black people who are friends <laughs> who are standing next to each other and y'all just think that we're together yeah. um and so yeah I was like dying laughing because I remember you actually I wasn't there but I remember you, t- you I don't me. remember that happening at all and that's a little scary that I don't remember that but I <laughs> you guys all looked sober in the video <laughs> oh god it's even worse <laughs> yeah but um it was nice we were looking at old pictures of us on our senior week trip also with oh like like when we went on the um what what do you call it is it parasailing is it not parasailing when yeah. we went in the water with the parachute that what do you was call so that? much fun it was only us four right it was like me yeah. you Tyler and more yeah wow that was so much fun I'm so happy we did it it was so cheap too yeah I'm gonna ask her to send some of those pictures she has pictures of all of us from college oh my god that's kind of like scary I'm like oh no (laughs) no but I'm like it was really nice to kind of go through that with her Mm -hmm. and then I got home maybe like around I don't know five or six o'clock I don't know five six seven I don't know and made dinner with my mom and then yeah we we finished me and then me and my mom we talked I know now I'm just talking forever about my life we're not even getting into the episode. 
I'm just like, okay. Right. Well, yeah. we're gonna talk about boundaries <laughs> and other things. We just thought it pertinent to talk about our own boundaries and our own life. I know. Yeah, so today was it was a good day. I just kind of like finally finished everything around nine oh, like an hour ago. <laughs> well, glad you were able. I'm glad you felt comfortable telling me all of that information and yeah. I was ready to receive it <laughs> thank <you. laughs> thanks thanks for listening Deja and the internet oh my gosh um but so anyway moving on in the episode <laughs> last week we discussed the palatable black girl right. so in today's episode just to reiterate what I just said we are talking all about setting healthy boundaries and checking in Yes, but first, some good news. We're just going to get into some news and updates for the week, y'all. And the first thing we wanted to update everyone on is that Tanzania has its first female president. Um, Yeah, the uh, original president died and she was the VP. So yeah, she's just a president now. Her name is Samia Hassan Suluhu. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it is kind of random by chance that this even happened because she wasn't technically voted in as president. But what a time to be alive for Tanzania. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, I, I, I don't know the politics of that country. <laughs> But I'm happy to see that there's some representation happening amongst so the great. It's honestly kind of funny because at first I was like, I can't believe it. They're now having their first female president. And I'm like, Deja Collins. We don't Currently in the United States, we have not yet had one female right. president. This is the exactly. first female vice president we have not. And I was like, that's just crazy crazy to me their first team and I'm yeah. like you stupid like, we cannot talk shit we can't even get our shit together what right. are you talking about so there's that and then another piece of I guess it's kind of like some lighthearted good news Jamie Foxx is now the proud owner of his own bourbon brand it's called brown sugar bourbon or BSB and I guess it was founded in 2016 and um he he bought it because he's jamie fox and um it's a like an award-winning spirit apparently it has blends of like ultra smooth bourbon with brown sugar and cinnamon at 60 proof Mm, i don't know what that means but happy for jamie fox oh my gosh Uh, 60 proof it's like how alcoholic the drink is right so the higher the proof the more it's kind of yeah it's gonna hit you hard right yeah potency or whatever is is bourbon people do people drink bourbon straight or is is it isn't that that drink you pour into like that round clear glass with like one ball ice cubes yeah it's it's like i guess a type of whiskey yeah yeah i guess so i I just think of it as like a traditional like really manly drinks that like men have in their offices right (laughs) in those like 80s shows where they like open that glass canister and then pour it out and I'm like isn't it lukewarm yeah it's is it I mean is it supposed to be (laughs) I I don't ever remember people putting alcohol in the fridge I know that like some people do that because it's their preference but like I think when I imagine the movies and stuff like what is that show Mad Men 
Yes. Where they had their like liquor cabinets and stuff. It wasn't like their alcohol was sitting in a fridge. In yeah. Those- or like it would be in a bottom drawer or something and they'd pull it out and then just pour a glass. And I'm like, isn't yeah. it warm? Or yeah. is it it's supposed to be room temperature? I don't know. I don't drink. No idea. I know. Honestly, we, we're... <laughs> We're nerds. But I'm so happy for him. I bet it tastes amazing. I will right. never probably taste it, which is unfortunate. But. Yeah. If anybody wants to send us a bowl. <laughs> I but, uh, we are open to gifts yeah. and presents. Yep. So, yeah. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Any um, other just news in general you want to update people on? Yes, yes. So, this is not really good news. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> Um, but I really wanted to take a quick good news second. to know about <laughs> exactly good news to know about. I wanted to take a quick second to kind of bring up the hashtag free Haiti movement. I know the hashtag is gaining a lot of traction due to the country's social, political, and economic crisis. And so apparently, right now, President I, I Jovenel Moi. I think it's, I don't, know. I don't know. His last um, name is spelled M-O-I-S-E. Somebody knows how to properly pronounce right. it. I am not somebody, but somebody um, But essentially, he is refusing to leave office. Apparently, while he took office in February 2016, what is supposed to be a five-year term, um, he insists that he still has a year left as his term began in 2017. However, political and human rights activists activists are stating that his term, in fact, ended last month. Mm. So additionally, he has not organized any parliamentary elections, which kind of leaves many Haitians underrepresented. And some believe this is why there has been a drastic uptick in crime and violence. And so we are really praying for Haiti. We are praying Mm. that they get all the support that they need i know that this has gotten the attention of celebrities like bobby Schmurda, cardi b just raising awareness on their different and various social media platforms so i hope something can be done to help all of those who are underrepresented and who are being afflicted yeah and haiti is just like you know the history is so strong wasn't it like the first uh island to kind of rebel and like be free from slavery I'm gonna pass. <laughs> You're like, I don't want to say shit. That's not <laughs> no, true. It's so bad. Yeah, it's all good. But Haiti has uh, a lot of history when it comes to protesting, when it comes to civil rights movements, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we're sending virtual waves of love to mm-hmm. to the people who are speaking out. But now let's move into the topic of the week uh we just kind of want to talk about what are boundaries and why are they important and so how would we define boundaries in general the internet says healthy boundaries are those boundaries that are set to make sure mentally and emotionally are stable that's i'm reading directly off of the the quote i think it's <laughs> I think when emotionally you are stable, that makes sense. Yeah, that that part makes sense. The way it's phrased is questionable. Oh. Another way to think about it is like our boundaries might be rigid. Some people might have loose boundaries, and some people might have boundaries somewhere in between, or they might be non-existent. And yeah. so, 
essentially it's it's just a way for people to kind of gauge where they draw the line and i mean honestly they're important also just because they set basic guidelines of how you want to be treated you know they ensure that relationships can be mutually respectful appropriate and caring and everybody is being heard and appreciated and mm. I think one thing that Tracy Hutchinson, who is uh, the author of What Are Personal Boundaries and Why Are They Important? Uh, she says that often we kind of assume that people will respect our boundaries just because, you know, either we were brought up that way or taught what is acceptable by our family and culture. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. And so we kind of want to just move on and talking about what typically happens when people of color aren't their boundaries aren't being upheld so right and and oftentimes like people of color are put in a place where we are expected to take care of others especially if you're you know are a woman or a femme and we i don't know get pushed into the role of giving and mammy mammying others this especially was seen Recently in social media, uh, there was an interaction between Sharon Osbourne and Cheryl Underwood on the talk. And one of the reasons why we felt it was necessary to tackle tackle this topic this week was because of what occurred on the episode of the talk. And Sharon Osbourne basically was berating Cheryl and policing her, you know, and Cheryl is a Black co-host on the show. Sharon Osborne was telling her, you know, don't you dare cry in regards to talking about the issue with Pierce Morgan. And is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, Sharon Osborne was kind of speaking on his behalf or in his defense about um uh, why basically he had every right to walk off the show she didn't understand why people were calling him a racist she didn't understand what about his actions were racist in the first place Mm -hmm. and on the episode she was looking directly at cheryl the entire time she was referencing the incident as if she was expecting a response from cheryl to kind of answer on behalf of all people of color. Like it was her job to kind of educate and teach Sharon Osborne what is racism? How is this incident even racist? And she was telling her, don't you dare cry. Like policing, you know, or making an attempt to police the emotions of her black co-hosts. And so this, this incident that happened on the talk episode is a perfect example of a black woman being expected to educate and exist for the benefit of her white peers regarding social justice topics, civil rights topics, or whatever other kind of topics that center around, you know, race and all those other isms that, you know, we talk about on this show as well. And so it was just very triggering for, I think, most people who were you know, watching that episode or saw bits and clips of that online. Because how can you as a white person who is a part of a class of people that created a system known as racism, demand that others teach you how it works? You know, Deja would beautifully 
you know, say, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, honestly, it doesn't make any sense. The lack of accountability, the lack of responsibility. Um, and I just realized that this was your portion to talk about. <laughs> I was like, you're doing beautifully, so just keep going. Deja, I'm so <laughs> I just like kept reading. No, please, honestly, I was like, I am genuinely enthralled. So I was just like, after I got to that part, I was like, I know that's like what Deja would say. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's highlighted in green. I know. Um do you want to trade and read the <laughs> next section? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so uh, now that we've kind of talked, just reiterating what Ida was saying in the Sharon Osborne and Cheryl Underwood incident on the talk, you know, a lot of research and labor that individuals like Sharon Osborne and herself should be doing is often pushed on to not just women of color, but most people of color to explain to them how what they're doing is racist or explain to them how a certain action or certain incident is racist. And it's extremely like going back to what I was saying, how can you create a system and then demand others to teach you how the system that you created works? That doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so one thing that I think caught a lot of people's attention during the Sharon Osborne and Cheryl Underwood incident was when Sharon was kind of saying, you know, teach me, educate me, tell me. And for so many individuals, that is often what we are tasked to do. So it's really funny. I was telling Ida earlier this week, I had this one um, black female professor in, in undergrad. And so I had her for like one of my, I don't know, spring semester, like dissertation, upper level course. And we were talking and she was like, I don't talk about race relations with white people anymore unless I'm getting paid mm. and I was like I'm sorry what <laughs> and she was honestly very straight faced she was like look I do not do that like I will assist in the educational endeavors of those that I care about and I love and friends but I don't just educate and entertain anybody because it's extremely taxing and she's like I literally work at a predominantly white institution spending my days educating all of these children and at least I'm getting paid for that you know so and I was like you know that's not not a bad idea I think a lot of people feel that way so but anyway moving on (laughs) so we wanted to kind of highlight why this topic of boundaries and creating healthy boundaries and upholding them for yourself is so important during the time of COVID honestly because your sanity kind of depends on setting boundaries I think that a lot of boundaries have been cursed cursed well (laughs) crossed during the pandemic you know boundaries between work life and home life there's really no line of demarcation when your workday stops and your home life starts I think well speaking from my own experience prior to COVID all of my computer and all of my work and all of the you know health stuff was at work so Mm. I could not like when I was out of the office if you emailed me I truly could not help you but now that we all have work computers at home and now that we have the ability to do everything at home because we're living virtually or working virtually I think even sometimes employers will be like yes I know I'm emailing you at 11 p.m but you can do it because your computer is there I know you can do it because you work every day from home so you know 
continuing to work online past the time that you really should clock out when your nine to five was, you know, not remote, I think is something that a lot of people are struggling with. And then I also think that just with the rise of Zoom, we are losing the privacy and intimacy of our personal spaces. Uh, A lot of individuals, professors, bosses, managers, are expecting students to have their cameras on or expecting coworkers or employees to have their cameras on while working from home. And it just implies that there's an assumption that everyone's life at home is, you know, ready for presentation. Some people have kids, some people have elderly family members that they're caring for right now, obviously because of COVID, you know, and nationwide pandemic, worldwide pandemic. So these spaces are intimate and should not be exposed for the sake of work. Now, I want to just preface that as someone who is not a teacher, I can't speak from the opposite side of Mm -hmm. what it must be like to just be in a room with a bunch of blank cameras. And so I think for like grade school and stuff, just in order to get engagement, maybe depending on the situation, but it should always be optional. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it should be like a forced thing. And then we were also talking about this idea where the teacher or the individual presenting could see everyone, but everyone didn't have to see each other. Mm. Cause I think that they, this is not like real research. I think I just saw this somewhere on social media, but this one teacher was doing a poll with her middle school or high school class. And she was asking how many of you, if you knew no one else in class could see you and only I could see you would actually have your camera on the entire time. And like all of her students said, yes. You know what I mean? So I think it's not even about like, I don't know, it's just extremely personal. And I don't want somebody who I'm not friends with, who I don't know that I like technically don't really go to school with to knowing know what my business. bedroom looks like, right. you know? So it's just, it's crossing a lot of boundaries. And so I do empathize with being a teacher, just looking at like 24 black squares on screen. Mm-hmm. You also have to recognize that like, some people's lives are private, you know, maybe just make it optional or maybe have everyone put a picture so we at least know what the person looks like. Right. But I don't know. I don't yeah. think it force anyone. No, I think you're right. We can be more creative and kind of like taking attendance or presenting ourselves without, you know, invading the privacy of someone's home. I think mm-hmm. that there, I think that the pandemic it's, it's just like, I, I, I just wanted to like add also like the, this is the first time that we've lived through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, you know, we have to be quick learners on how to appropriately engage with one another while we're working remotely. And we have to kind of like do it with grace. And so I think it's fair Deja, that you're you're wanting to kind of like hold educators and educational systems to a higher standard and have them kind of like just think of the people that they're serving in a way that like humanizes them. But uh, another kind of like area where boundaries can be crossed is between roommates and family members. And now that like more people have been at home for a year now, um, you know, people are consistently in the presence of one another. They're lacking private time and space. And especially if you're if you're living in a house with, you know, roommates or even a family and there aren't very clear house roles, 
that could easily lead to an unhealthy style of communication with the people that you share the space with, and it can trigger emotional outbursts. And so boundaries in relationships, whether they're friendships or intimate relationships are, are very, very sensitive. We found a article that kind of talked about the increase in domestic violence cases um, that occurred because there were more people who were trapped in their homes with their abusers. And so um, there was an article that uh, we wanted to pull from. It was from the New England Journal of Medicine and it's titled A Pandemic Within a Pandemic, Intimate Partner Violence During COVID-19. And this excerpt stated that stay-at-home orders intended to protect the public and prevent widespread infection left many IPV victims, IPV meaning intimate partner violence victims, trapped with their abusers. And domestic violence hotlines were so prepared for an increase in and a demand for services as states enforce these mandates, but many organizations experience the opposite. In some regions, the number of calls dropped by more than 50%, and experts in the field knew that the rates of IPV had not decreased, but rather that the victims were unable to safely connect with services. I was just about to say that. I was like, I feel like the decrease in calls is because people can't call when you're sitting right next to the person you're calling about, you know? And exactly. so I think it's also important to bring up not just like intimate partner, but also violence against children. Mm. A lot of children are in abusive households. And most of the time, the only time they had any kind of freedom was when they went to school. And for mm. those eight hour or however many hours a day, they didn't have to be in the presence of this abuser. So I just think these boundaries are so yeah. everything is becoming more and more enmeshed and it's like obviously you know these state mandates and all of these new like ways that were kind of like forced upon us to like interact with one another it, it wasn't with ill intent it was it was just kind of like focused on one thing which was to decrease the amount of cases but mm-hmm. it disregarded the symptoms and impacts that came with these mandated orders and these changes of working remotely or being, you know, forced to stay at home for, you know, longer hours with your potential abuser if you came from, you know, uh, a domestic violence uh, home. And um, another like example of how boundaries and relationships are crossed is, you know, physical boundaries are not, are, are, kind of also being eliminated in one way it's being kind of like engulfed by the people who have domestic violence issues within their homes but in other ways um, it's kind of being completely removed because you're no longer able to see loved ones and as frequently um, and it's also you taking away the opportunity to kind of say goodbye to loved ones who may have passed because of COVID-19. You know, people who are being like sent to the hospital. I don't know if this is still the case in many hospitals, but I know that like you you can't have visitors if you're sick. And, you know, if you are in a vulnerable state like that and you're not able to say goodbye to your loved ones, if, if it is like, you know, your last day on earth or whatever, 
it, it's, it takes away the ability for people to grieve appropriately. And that's a boundary being crossed for many people. It's just some things that like we wanted to talk about regarding examples of how boundaries are crossed specifically within the time of the pandemic. There, I'm sure there are many more that we haven't really touched upon, but it's just to kind of like give an, an idea of like, you know, what are the kind of like new things that like maybe some of us who are listening may have had to deal with that like we've never had to kind of experience before, or at least not to this degree. Exactly. Like Zoom fatigue is real. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I just Staring at a screen all day. <laughs> so I'm sure the price or like the blue light glasses market shot up oh my <laughs> whether or not those things actually work exactly I mean I don't know I I think they might but it depends where you buy them from you mm-hmm. get what you pay for I think is my philosophy when it comes to that right mm-hmm. do not buy the target brand oh my <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything because I shop at target all the time and I would hate for them to not <laughs> yes please sponsor us <laughs> <laughs> We want to also kind of talk about some of the signs to look out for Mm -hmm. when your boundaries are being crossed and give suggestions on ways to also create healthy boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the articles that we kind of pulled some of this information from was by Jessica Stillman, and it's five signs you need to work on setting boundaries according to a psychotherapist. And so the first sign she discusses is you feel resentment. And so I think we all can relate to signing up for something or agreeing to do something for someone and being pissed the entire time we're doing it. You know, so essentially she's just stating, if you feel bitter when you're doing it, it's maybe a good sign you shouldn't have said yes. You know, Mm -hmm. so while you may sometimes feel pressured by family, peers, or even your work, to take on tasks without allowing you the opportunity to say no, it is important to check in and see why you're saying yes. Do you actually have the time to do it? Will you regret it? Mm. So that's the first thing she talks about or one of the first signs. And then the second sign is you judge other people's choices. And so at first I was like, wait, so you're judgmental means your boundaries are getting crossed? So not exactly. Essentially what she means is you're judging the person more so for the fact that you're judging their ability to openly make a choice you wish you had the confidence or kind of lack the guilt to make. So for example, if you're volunteering for something and you find out one of your friends who is supposed to do it with you drops out and you, and they go up to whoever's in charge and they say, you know what, I just don't have the time to do this anymore. Sorry. And they just, you know, peace. And you thinking to yourself, what the heck? So she doesn't have to do 10 hours of community service with me or she doesn't have to do this volunteering thing with me. Yeah, so that's the kind of judgment. Stillman thinks that's a pretty good sign that you may perhaps be compromising your own boundaries when you're judging someone else's ability to do what you wish you had done. Oh, yeah. And I'm definitely like, I'm pretty sure I've had so many times where I'm just like, oh, like, I wish I could just like, it's more like me being like, oh, I wish I could just say no, like that person, but Mm -hmm. not directly being like, how could they? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's kind of like a similar sentiment. Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was an option. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm like, I want to fucking sleep for 10 hours too. Exactly. 
Yeah. But one of the other boundaries, or sorry, one of the other signs that uh, might occur if your boundaries are being crossed is uh, you might start to kind of chameleon. She uses it as like kind of a verb, but it's, it's natural to kind of adjust your presentation and persona to suit your context, but you shouldn't have to shift your essential self to suit others. And so it's like, yeah, it's normal that you, you know, you don't talk to, you know, if you're an employer, you don't talk to your employees the same way you talk to your wife. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of are mirroring and mimicking the persona of different people, um, to, you know, and you're kind of like always constantly having to kind of like shift your personality depending on the group that you're spending time with, that is uh that's you allowing other people to kind of like cross that boundary and it's i think it also kind of is um what leads to like peer pressure you know Mm -hmm. i I think with like young people who you know are in school and they may have friends or peers who you know all dress a certain way or maybe engage in certain behavior activity and you start to engage in that behavior activity because you want to feel accepted or be a part of that group but it's like you're not really checking in with yourself if that's a behavior and activity that you actually want to engage in. It's just kind of like you going along with what everyone else is doing and being a chameleon. So that's one of the other signs. The fourth, one, two, three, fourth sign uh, is that you would be envious of other people's directness. So if your first reaction to the straight shooters in your life is to wish you could be more upfront about your own feelings, maybe you should strongly consider learning to be more clear about your wants and needs, which is, I think, like something that everyone needs <laughs> to work like, on. Oof, I need practice. On. <laughs> right. <laughs> that one, like, kind of like, step. Yeah. But it's, it's, need to read me this late at night. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys remember the story I told you about all the Ugh. random people coming over and me not being able to say, no, I need to go to bed. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is it is something that like everyone, I think, like has to work on to a degree when it comes to being very clear about like what you need for yourself mm-hmm. and not really worrying about making people disappointed if you're really not doing or making a decision that's harmful towards other people around you. If you're really, you know, really trying to take care of yourself it's it's okay to kind of just say what you gotta say and you know let people feel they're gonna feel as long as it's not you being very dismissive or rude and the final sign that you should be aware of if you are trying to pay attention to whether or not your boundaries are being crossed is you tend to be angry a lot of the time and so she mentions in the article we tend to think of anger as a reaction to others' behavior, but a boatload of science shows it is actually often about our emotional struggles. And so we have to kind of remind ourselves that anger is a sign that we have a need that's not being met or that we have a boundary that's being crossed. And so the the problem could be the other person's behavior or it could be your own inability to police your boundaries, or it could be a bit of both. It's those those things are not mutually exclusive. So those are the the five signs that you should kind of try to pay attention to when learning how to 
live and deal with other people mm-hmm. and to kind of like check yourself to see if you need to kind of establish those boundaries do some introspection I had a friend when I was in England and I don't know what the heck we were talking about and he was like oftentimes anger is a secondary emotion and so when you're reading like that you're angry a lot I was like huh and so it just was really funny because when he said that I was like what are you talking about and then I thought about it and it's like most people you're disappointed in someone's actions so that you're angry mm. you're this so that you're angry so I think it's so interesting that you know anger is a sign that your needs are not being met like somebody disappointed you someone hurt you someone whatever and the knee-jerk reaction is that anger so I'm like that is so true a boundary is being crossed when someone disrespects you or whatever I never thought about it like that Mm. no I definitely even though I never directly thought about it like that I I can really identify with and yeah I can identify the experiences I've had personally where when I've been upset with someone Mm -hmm. like before actually being upset it's like kind of feeling betrayed or feeling you know kind of like sad or heartbroken or whatever Mm -hmm. that like kind of like comes before the rage and um yeah I think that makes sense a hundred percent it is a reactionary emotion Mm -hmm. you know in my opinion but I wouldn't be surprised yeah that is interesting to think about. I wonder if like happiness has an order I don't know I feel like that could come first oh well I don't know it's weird I'd need to sit with that a little bit longer mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. like I've had some time to think about this anger thing I have not thought about <laughs> yeah. so that is interesting I don't know we should do an episode happiness like what does happiness look like happiness but it could be super expansive anyway sorry (laughs) I digress um so just moving on we've talked about you know five signs to know that your boundaries are not being respected or that they're being crossed or that you need to kind of do a little check in with yourself so we also wanted to talk about now how can we move forward how do we develop healthy boundaries how can we you know I do realize that I am envious of other people's directness or I do feel resentful when I sign up for this okay that's great so now what you can what can you do moving forward Mm. so we utilized the article by Crystal or it's more like it was a it was a nice little podcast it was like a YouTube she's beautiful honestly everybody go subscribe Crystal Evans Hurst truly just great And so she did an episode called Suggestions on How to Develop Healthy Boundaries. And it's important because if you're not intentional about setting your boundaries, you will live your life and then kind of wonder where your time went. And I think that is so true when I think of college, when I think of like post-grad, when you're not doing the things that you want to be doing and you're living to appease others. Exactly time will really pass like she said and then you'll kind of look back and be like was I even doing anything that I wanted to do like the person who I am now was I actually trying to get there or was I just pleasing everyone in my life you know she was just saying you know if you're not intentional with your time it really will slip and seep through the crevices of your life you don't get that back so absolutely exactly so one of the ways she was saying like how can we start to develop a healthy boundary is learning to say no 
And as simple as it is, it is the crux of how you start to set boundaries. And there are obviously many different ways you can say no or turn something down, but the best way to kind of start to learn how to say no is to legitimately practice saying no, just no, no, (laughs) nope. Nah, you know, just like yeah. practice saying no until you're comfortable saying it. And then you start getting good at it. Because I think for a lot of people, you just don't say no, even though you don't want to do things, but it's because you don't have practice saying no, because you've been mm. a people pleaser since you can remember and you stay appeasing people. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, you're not, pra- it's think of like muscle memory. If you're not doing it. It's going to be real hard to all of a sudden start. You have to practice. And so one of the things she was saying was like, even saying no to a tree, just Mm. saying it every single day until you get so comfortable with it, that it will just start coming out of your mouth just Mm because, you know, and you will not care, you will not feel guilty. So I think that's something I should probably practice. No, Um, girl, me too. Like, I need to like be staring in the mirror and being like, no, 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 no. no." (laughs) (laughs) But um, she also is saying like, yes, let's not negate the fact that you will feel bad. Saying no means you are turning something down, potentially opening the risk for disappointing someone. And you may feel like you're letting people down, but by saying no, you set boundaries in your life that create space for all the things in your life that you're never able to get to, which makes complete sense. And it also, you know, saying no creates more room for the yeses more time, like more quality time with your family. You can now, like Ida wrote in, dedicate time to develop small business, take time (laughs) for self-care. So many things that we typically are on our to-do list that we never actually get to do because our to-do list is so filled with other tasks that we either volunteered for that we had no business volunteering for or we're doing other people's work or just not setting those healthy boundaries. So Mm. by saying no, you create room for yes. Absolutely. One of the other ways you can work on developing healthy boundaries is making sure you don't overcommit yourself. And so in the YouTube episode, Crystal Evan Hurst mentions that we all have 24 hours and we need to get better at cultivating the hours in order to make room for the important things. And so she uses this example of Jesus. I know we're all not religious, but, you know, in order for Jesus to change the world, he sometimes had to say no to the crowds. And, you know, even Jesus who loved everybody said no to somebody. And if Jesus had to say no, then so do you. Yeah. And I mean, even if you you know, you're not really deep into Christianity. You can kind of like still kind of reference Jesus. Meaning still stands. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's something I think like we really kind of, I think it's something that can happen gradually when it comes to overcommitting to projects or different, just different people, events. And after a while, it can feel draining. It can feel as if you won't maybe, I think this, it happens for me in this way, at least, where I be, I will be physically exhausted. And it would be after the fact that I put two and two together. It's like, I just like spent the entire day, week or whatever, like running around town, doing yeah. errands for, for God knows what. And I have completely ignored myself or I have completely like, 
I have not been attentive to like my my mother or the people that I really want to give my time to in the ways that I would like to. I, I, I would suggest like kind of like in order to not overcommit, really, really identify. She doesn't mention this, but like I, I would like to add, like identify what are the things that maybe your top three priorities in life, top three, top mm-hmm. five priorities, and make sure that your time in you know the majority of the day or the week or the month is committed to those priorities and everything else is kind of like being scheduled around that do you, if you, do you think that like the reason that people overcommit is tied to the way in which society has kind of made productivity equal to self-worth and like worth you know what I mean because I feel mm-hmm. like oftentimes people are like I'm gonna commit to this this and this so that I'm busy and being busy is good because that means I'm productive being productive is like how I view my value or something yeah I mean I know we definitely talked about this and I think that's something I, I could fall prey to uh, like, I, I don't want to like speak for other people, but I, I, you know, growing up in a Western society that encourages productivity, encourages, you know, being a capitalist and, and all those other things that comes with like living in, in a Western country, um, y- you kind of become trained to exist in a way that you have to attach value to the work that you produce. And most other living things don't exist that way. Like most animals, plants, most breathing organisms or whatever aren't like waking up every day like, all right, got to get to work or I got to like have this amount of nuts ready to feed all my squirrel kids or whatever. It's just kind of like there's a natural system that exists that, you know, animals hunt animals will either, you know, nurse and raise their kids. And it's just kind of like, they exist. It's not attached to the amount of productivity. They're not like, no, I don't know, like, maybe there are like sports that animals play. Like, I think like, the Olympics is the is a perfect example of like how humans like we turn productivity into a game even it's like there's not like Olympic games amongst orca whales I'm pretty sure that play and interaction exist amongst other creatures but it's not to the point where we're like we're attaching giving awards for like the fastest like you know orca in the ocean (laughs) you know and we've we've tied like so much value into like you know which is also the kind of the beautiful part of uh, there's there's beauty in being a part of humanity and being a part of society that's advanced to the point where we're able to do those kind of things but it also kind of trips away at just being able to be a human and exist in the first place mm-hmm. and so like could, um, I'm sorry continue no, 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 go ahead no I was just gonna say it's like one of those things like just because you can doesn't mean you should like so many articles and so much research has come out of yes while humans can work 40 hour or more work week uh, more hours in a work week does that mean they have to <laughs> like, right a lot like what of is the purpose yeah yeah right and a lot of countries I think have I don't know maybe I'm making this up but I've definitely seen this somewhere in the news or social media or something where they're saying that not only some countries have kind of moved to a four-day work week, but some companies and organizations have done that same thing. They're like, look, we realize that 
the productivity of people is higher when they're actually motivated to come to work. But when you're Sunday at 8 p.m. and you're dreading waking up on Monday, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's just also, I, I know we're like so off topic right now, but it's <laughs> it's relevant. Like We're going to loop it back in, y'all. Yeah. But I do think that it is something that we we kind of get pulled away from when it comes to listening to our intuition, listening to our gut. And, you know, how many people dread Sunday, the feeling of Sunday night before they have to get up on Monday? And it's like, if you have, if you have to feel that way on a weekly basis, you're probably not living the life you should be living. And this is not like me pointing fingers at anyone. It's like, I am definitely a part of (laughs) I do it. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, especially when I had, you know, that job, everyone who follows me on Instagram knows how much I hated like my past job that I no longer (laughs) am doing. But um, I, I think it's, it's normal to be pushed and encouraged to overcommit and overproduce mm-hmm. and achieve things and get trophies and attain titles. It gives a sense of purpose, but it's a false sense of purpose because at the end of the day, if you spent 80 hours in the office that week, you spent 80 less hours with the people that you love and care about or doing the hobbies and things that you know you don't get paid to do but you enjoy and like really give mm-hmm. you and you know joy um and so it's just kind of you have to kind of like step out of that box and ask yourself like is this worth my time do I need to work 80 hours this week if the answer is no like if especially if you're at a point they can make enough to kind of support themselves and to be in a position to decide how much they're willing to commit when it comes to work like and this commitment example that we're bringing doesn't limit itself to work like you can overcommit to events and parties with people that you don't really care about or with peers or friends that you do care about but you're just like you don't have the emotional bandwidth to kind of give yourself after a certain point of the day like you can overcommit to a project or an assignment that like you're kind of taking on more tasks or duties than the, you know, people who are in your group. You can overcommit in many areas of your life. You can overcommit to tending to the needs of family members who are maybe taking advantage of your kindness. It, it doesn't limit itself to work, but I think the culture of work has a huge influence in the way we engage with, you know, overcommitting or being productive. And so I think uh, people have to learn about who they are to really be able to successfully cut out the habit of overcommitting, which is what I basically wanted to add to this strategy that um, Crystal Evan Hurst suggests. So yeah, that is one of the strategies she mentions. And the last one that she talks about for uh, setting healthy boundaries is to focus. Uh, she suggests focusing on your dreams, which is, I guess, like kind of what I was trying to. It, it, it kind of is. It, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, in a way, focusing on your dreams, you're calling the things that really matter to you. I think if you do that first, you will easily be able to identify the areas where you are overcommitting. And so you have to kind of ask yourself, 
what are the things that you would be saying yes to and those would be the things that really matter to you that you really should be prioritizing. And if you can kind of separate the yeses from the noes, you're gonna have a lot less of the noes taking up your time in life. And so this is essentially what encompasses setting boundaries. And you know, you guys can go to her video. She gives much more detail and she just speaks so eloquently on the topic. I don't know how many followers she has, but I hope she gets way more because she's just, you know, shooting yeah, out gold. She's great. Yep, yep. But yeah, so point of view, concluding wrap up from all of the articles and everything, you know, I just want to say I've recognized that setting boundaries is honestly a privilege. I know it's never really looked mm. at that like or looked at like that, but it really is. Some people don't have the option to not work extended mm. hours in a week. Some people don't have the freedom or aren't allowed the same ease of creating said boundaries. So Obviously, we mean this in a sense of like, if you can, you should. And if you can't, that's absolutely okay. Continue doing what you got to do. Like at the end of the day, we're doing the best we can with what we have, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So definitely making that known. And also, I think one thing that's extremely important in all of this, you know, knowing when your boundaries are being crossed, how to develop healthy boundaries. In order to do that, you have to be paying attention to your life. You have to be having self-reflection or points or periods of self-reflection. You have to do some real sitting down with yourself and checking in with yourself. I don't think that's a thing that people do probably as often as we should, you know, like, oh, maybe I am resentful or maybe I was angry because X, Y, Z, because you won't even know that your boundaries are being crossed or you won't recognize it or you won't recognize, I guess, the signs that you're living beyond your boundaries if you're not looking for the signs. So, you know, in order to fix this problem, in order to formulate some concrete boundaries, the first step before learning to say no and this, this, and this is really figuring out when are my boundaries being crossed? Mm. When do I feel resentful, angry, et cetera? And then moving forward from there. You know, just like jumping off from that point, like for anyone who's able to kind of like, continually practice and reflect on the way that they're engaging with themselves with others uh, and kind of like really tracking their emotional bandwidth with those engagements um, you can slowly get to a point where in the moment you are consciously able to kind of stop and kind of call out a situation for what it is and say like, no, this is not going to be what I need to do mm -hmm. today. Or actually, I'm okay. Maybe we can try to give energy to that another time. I think in the beginning, especially if, if this is something that like you haven't been practicing when it comes to like setting clear boundaries or saying no or any of the things we talked about on the episode, it, you might, if you're barely starting to kind of like try to reflect and pay attention, you might catch yourself continuously falling into these uh, traps with different people, with with work, with family or whatever, where you, you overcommit or you are engaging in a way that is not emotionally stable for you. And so even if you're 
you're just starting to get that point. Like pay attention to the trends, pay attention to the frequency of, you know, the amount of times that you are overcommitting or, you know, ending up in situations that are, you know, not, you know, pleasing or healthy for you and work up to the point where you can actively engage with yourself and really, really save yourself time and energy. I'm definitely not at the point personally where where I know exactly when somebody is overstepping a boundary, like and how to kind of like eloquently like walk out of that. I'm still at a point where I catch myself after reflection, maybe a few hours later, realizing an encounter I had that wasn't great. And I think that is something that's probably common for many people. And I just want to encourage everyone to keep working on it. And eventually you will get to a point where you'll save time. You'll learn to say no without having an emotional like guilt or attachment to it. You'll learn how to not overcommit yourself, Mm -hmm. but it takes practice, which is, I think the biggest takeaway. I hope anyone who's listening receives today. One thing that I love that she said, and I said this to you already, is that idea of like, what is the legacy that you want to leave with the people you love? I don't know why I found that to be so powerful. I really love that. Yeah, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, dissecting the concept of boundaries with us. If you have any topics you want us to tackle or you want to be on an episode of Sad Girl Sunday, DM us. It is S-A-D-G-R-L-S-U-N-D-A-Y underscore. And we want to allow people to kind of share their stories and their truth as well. So don't be shy. It's a public Instagram account. Come on <laughs> over and send us a message. Please do. That'd be awesome. I would love to have our I would love to start having people on the show. That'd be really fun. And obviously, guys, as always, you can listen to this episode and more on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, finally, finally. Um, and more. And we're even going to be on YouTube relatively soon. So look out for that. We will be transcribing our episodes and playing it there. So obviously, you remember, don't forget, follow us on Instagram. I just said it first at S-A-D-R-L-S-U-N-D-A-Y underscore. Yep, yep. Have a great night, everybody.